Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Calendar. Let's be real. Running a household can be exhausting and chaotic. And finding the perfect Mother's Day gift, it's not exactly a no-brainer. Until now. The Skylight Calendar is the best way to organize the family and give everyone, especially mom, some peace of mind to enjoy the things that matter most. The Skylight Calendar is a smart, touchscreen calendar that keeps track of and manages the chores, dinner planning, groceries, and to-dos for the whole family. The Skylight Calendar automatically syncs each family member's digital calendars and displays them all together on one color-coded touchscreen. It even doubles as a digital picture frame so you can finally share all those special moments that are just sitting on your phone. As a limited time offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight calendar when you go to skylightcal.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-C-A-L dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightcal.com slash easy. Hey, I'm Sarah Bivens. And I'm Matthew Bivens. And this is the Doing It at Home podcast, the only podcast dedicated to empowering, loving, and honest conversations around home birth. What started as a fun way for us to document our own home birth journey has turned into a platform for sharing birth stories, resources, and education with the goal of empowering mamas and families to make the birth decisions that work best for them. Plus, we get into the antics, breakdowns, and breakthroughs of our own experience of marriage and parenthood. All right. You ready, babe? Yep. Let's do it, mama. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Doing It at Home podcast. We're so happy you're here, and we're excited to bring you another birth story announcements. As always, you can connect with us, reach out to us, ask us questions, um, suggestions for the show, all that great stuff. You can go to our website, diahpodcast.com for that. And how you can listen to the show, you can listen to the show on the Parents on Demand app, uh, our network that we are a part of, which we are super happy to be a part of, big family of a lot of really amazing, awesome content that you should go check out. So go to parentsondemand.com or go to the app, Parents on Demand. It's Android or iOS for your listening pleasure. And of course, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, any podcast player that you like, you can basically listening listen to doing it at home with. And ways you can support the show, um, you can follow us on any of our social media accounts. Um, I have links to them in today's show notes, as well as the Doing It At Home shop, where you can buy your gear and rep your Doing It At Home pride, have babies where you make them, let's talk home birth, get your shirts, your tanks, your uh, sweatshirts, long sleeves, all that great stuff. You can go to that link and it's from our website or in today's show notes. All right. On to the babies, what we're all here for, right? Um, today we're talking to Ruby Pontbriand about her journey and history in birth, um, a hospital birth with her first, with her son Julian, and then a home birth with her daughter Scarlett. So really great from the perspective of being able to share the difference in her experiences from hospital and home. And then also she, in preparing for her home birth with Scarlett, was under dual care. 
So she saw her OB consistently, and then she also saw her midwife. So we get into that. So for anyone that that is appealing or you've thought about that as an option, Ruby's an example of that. And we also talk about, you know, the pressures and the stress that can come up when you go past your guest date, your due date, and uh, postpartum as well, and how birth really can have a huge impact on your postpartum. So it's a beautiful conversation. We're so grateful to Ruby. Thank her and her family for being a part of our family, and I know you're going to love this story. Here it is. Hi, Ruby. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? Hi, Sarah. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for joining us at Doing It at Home podcast. We are excited to chat with you and hear all about your birth stories. Me too. I cannot wait. I've been waiting for this moment. For <laughs> it seems like such a long time, and I've just been so inspired by the podcast for such a while, and so I'm so excited to be here. Mm, oh, we love that. That's awesome. Yeah, so we have some history, and I love too from this has been a long time coming. So from when we first connected Ruby to now having you on the show, and then going even further back to when you started listening, this is really cool. You know how it all comes together. Definitely, yeah. Um, so will you tell us a little bit about you and your family? Sure. So I'm Ruby, um, and I'm uh. The mom of Julian, who's three years old, and Scarlett, who is just about eight months old, which I cannot believe. Um, I live in central Massachusetts, and I work full-time. Actually, I work from home full-time as a marketing communications coordinator for a robotics education nonprofit. Um, And so a lot of my work um, is towards engaging young girls and pretty much everybody in STEM and competitive robotics from a young age. Um, and it's amazing because I can do that right from the comfort of my own home. I'm a remote employee, so I do work like a typical nine to five, um, but I pretty much like have to manage my time super closely. And you guys know all about it working from home as well. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. We do. But I think that's so cool. You just described. Uh, we might have to have another conversation about that yeah. entirely because <laughs> I think both of us perked up like, ooh, that's neat. Um, but yeah. that's amazing. And so then what about your kiddos and your husband? Yeah, so um, my son, Julian, he goes to um, a nice uh, little preschool that's local to us. Um, He goes there four days a week. And then Scarlett, actually, I have the extreme pleasure of having her in the home with me. um, And I have our care come into the house. So I have kind of like a nanny um, five days a week who comes in and will, you know, take care of her in between feedings Mm. and, um, so that I can get my work done. But it's awesome because I don't have to like drive her anywhere. I don't have to pump milk. I don't have to do a lot of the things that I had to do with Julian the first time around in terms of working outside of the home, which I did have that experience with him. Gotcha. Oh, that's awesome. And my husband, um, yeah, my husband, sorry. Um, he, Uh, works at a local um, university and he does um, kind of like video production and campus media coordination for the college. Um, He sets up a lot of the video stuff um, for the college. Nice. That's very cool. I I like what all of you are up to. (laughs) I feel like there's a lot of synergy and alignment, not necessarily in terms of the actual work we do day in and day out, but how your lives are kind of set up and the things that you're doing. That's very cool. Yeah, it's great. So then, how did home birth enter your world? Well, I think, <laughs> um, 
I guess it was really as a result of my first pregnancy and birth with Julian. Um, that entire like cohesive experience is really what brought me to home birth. Um, I think because I just did experience a lot of challenges in the in his in his birth, basically, I, I had some challenges. And then as a result of those challenges, I had a really difficult time postpartum. Um, and so all of that just kind of led me to like looking for support. Um, I was in search of something to like make all this make sense for me. I'm like, why am I having such a hard time? Why is this not? Why is something that's supposedly like so innate um, so difficult for me right now? And I was searching for answers. And of course, in that search, I stumbled across um, listening to podcasts because um, I was looking for like-minded people that would that I could listen to on my commute to work at the time, um, and so I ended up finding your podcast, and I was like, oh well, this is cool. Um, and I wasn't um, pregnant at the time; I was just, you know, kind of just um, still in that like kind of I guess healing phase. I think of just trying to like build myself back up from the trauma mm. and of the first kind of go around. Um, and then also just, you know, trying to fill in the blanks of, you know, trying to figure out like, where did I go wrong? Like, what, what did I do? What can I do different this time? Kind of. Um, and so I started listening to your podcast and I just gained so much inspiration from it. Um, I also, uh, you know, in tandem with that, I had watched the business of being born and that was a, you know, a huge aha moment for me in terms of, you know, empowering myself and empowering my thoughts around birth. Um, and then I read, I picked up Ina May's Guide to Childbirth and read that, um, also just was so excited. And I think I had actually heard before I read her book, I had listened to a podcast that was about like different birth options. It was, it wasn't on your show, but it was, um, I think it was through, I don't know, it was another podcast and, um, Ina May was a guest on the podcast and mm. she talked about home birth as an option. And I remember listening to her words and being like, oh my gosh, this makes all of the sense to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I had a lot of doubt, like, mm, am I capable of doing this? Like she's talking about this, you know, this type of person to be able to do home birth. And I'm like, oh, maybe that's not really me. Like, maybe I'm not really equipped. Maybe I would be more of like a birth center type of gal. And, uh, but I just like kept my mind open to it. And I just kind of kept listening, kept being educated, kept researching. And before you knew it, I I pretty much had decided like if I if we get pregnant again like I'd really like to try for home birth. Wow. And and when did you bring the conversation up with Andrew and how did those initial conversations go? Yeah, so I'm trying to remember actually. I think I think I had probably gotten pregnant at this point by the time I kind of brought it up to him. Um and I wanted to kind of have all my <laughs> all my ducks in a row, I suppose, before I kind of reached the topic with him. Um, but he knew, you know, he knew all my struggles. He knew that I had had a hard time postpartum and a hard time with breastfeeding. Um, so it wasn't like a shock to him that I wanted to do things differently. Um, but he was pretty much on board, like from the beginning. Uh, he just was kind of like, "Whoa, well, is it safe? You know, that's always the first question I think um, that anybody really has. Uh, around, you know, the subject of home birth and, you know, if it's an option or not. And I was like, no, like I've done all this research. It'll be great. We'll get a midwife. They're like, they're amazing. They have all the tools. They come with, you know, they come with everything. So I just kind of um, gave him a quick overview of why I thought it would be a good idea and how I was, you know, sure that it was going to be safe and that, you know, if for some reason, you know, the pregnancy wasn't going great or if there were any kind of red flags that 
obviously we'd move it into a hospital setting, but that if everything seemed to be going along fine, that home birth could really work for us. And so he said, yeah, absolutely. He's like, I'm not a fan of hospitals. I am totally cool with staying in our house and, you know, not having to pack a bag and, you know, the whole thing. So Mm -hmm. he was definitely on board. And so what for you, Ruby, was the biggest thing you wanted different this time around? The biggest thing for me that I wanted to be different was I, you know, obviously by home birth, you know, you don't want to have any pain, pain medication. Um, So I knew that that was something that I wanted. Um, But I'd say that the largest thing that I was going for was to have a a successful nursing and breastfeeding relationship right off the bat. Um, Because for me, that was the biggest struggle the first time around with Julian in the hospital was that as a result of, you know, a couple of factors our breastfeeding relationship was definitely impacted um, from the beginning. And that was a struggle for a while. Uh, I will say, however, that we were able to overcome that struggle. And I did nurse him successfully for about two and a half years. Um, So it was all fine. But for for this time around, I really wanted to just have that successful kind of relationship um, right off the bat. And so I knew that the combination of like the midwifery model of care and like from all of my research that I had done, that to, you know, give birth in a home setting was really a great way to get get going on breastfeeding in a really positive, positive light. So that's kind of what my goal was. Wow. Yeah. So that, that would set you up in your perspective for a more supported, more empowering, more successful experience. Exactly. Wow. Yep. I love that. You know, I don't think I've heard that too much or at all. Um you know, that that's why I asked because, you know, everyone has their unique experience and story. And particularly if they want something different for another birth, you know, what things stuck with them. And I'm sure there were other things as well. But I just really appreciate you right. sharing that piece because I don't think I've heard that. And so for mamas who didn't know about that, or maybe that was a part of their their journey as well, and they didn't realize that was a part of it, for whatever reason, I think it's cool that... um to create a different birth experience because of what happens after birth, you know, not just in the birth itself, how by having a certain kind of birth that can set you up to have a certain kind of postpartum experience. Absolutely. And, and absolutely. That's kind of like the biggest takeaway that I've had Mm. from these two births is that the, the type of birth that you have can absolutely impact your postpartum. Wow. So then walk us through a little bit of your pregnancy with Scarlett and preparing for home birth. Yeah, so I, um, you know, we we decided that we wanted to have another baby. um, And no sooner did we decide that (laughs) we wanted to do it, it pretty much happened right away. Um, And so that was, you know, definitely a blessing. We were very excited. I um, I didn't know really the the second time around how getting pregnant was going to go in terms of the success of it. I um, with Julian, he was kind of unexpected and unplanned. So I, you know, that just kind of happened. Um, I had never really been in a position of trying to get pregnant before. <laughs> so um, I was, you know, we were both very excited and very blessed um, to to become pregnant um, pretty quickly. Um, we did plan it in terms of the timing of, you know, when I would give birth being in the summertime. Um, so that all worked out really well. Um, and yeah, so the pregnancy was started off great. Um, what did I do? So I guess right after I found out that I was pregnant, I started 
I, you know, I went to the drawing board to try to find a midwife. Um, and I did also go and make an appointment with my OB um, to be seen and, you know, just kind of do the, do that route in, in conjunction with the midwife. Um, because I knew that I had that already established and I already had that relationship with my OB, which was a very positive one. Mm. So I, um, I had made that initial appointment with them. Um, and then in the meantime, I had, you know, gone out to try to hire a midwife. Um, in the state of Massachusetts, you pretty much have to pay everything um, for for midwifery. Um, none of it is really, I don't know in terms of like what the laws are, um, but I just know that for me personally and with the insurance coverage that we had, um, it was just like all out of pocket mm-hmm. and that you could submit for reimbursement afterwards and like make a claim and then see what happens, which that's still to be seen if gotcha. that's going to get approved or not. <laughs> all right. Um, so we knew like, okay, we're going to have to budget like a certain amount for this, but mm-hmm. what's that amount going to be? Um, I interviewed with a bunch of places um, and I even like toyed with the idea of doing like a birth center. Um, I did interview with a midwife at a birth center and quickly realized that the particular birth center, it wasn't actually a birth center. It was really just a wing of the, of the hospital that had like more midwives than usual. And they called themselves a birth center, but they were really a hospital. Um, <laughs> so I, that kind of like came out in the interview process, very clear, clear to me. And I was like, okay, cool. Like maybe isn't a great fit. Um, and then there were a couple of other midwives that I met with um, that I really liked. Um, and then I, I settled on my midwife. I had her come. She was great. She came to my house to meet with me the first time. Um, I got a great feeling from her almost immediately. I explained to her kind of my history with Julian and what my goals were for this birth. And it was just like a great fit. Um, really, uh, it was it was awesome. Um, and so we just kind of like started having our, our visits. And I think at the beginning, I, I don't remember what the timeline is like, but every visit she would come to me, which was amazing mm. because not only was I working from home, but I didn't even have to go like to a midwife or to, um, you know, anywhere. She would just come to me, which was amazing. And it fit in with um, our schedule. Great. And um, it was, it also just helped there to be so much more of a close kind of rapport and relationship because she was always in my home. You know what I mean? So it's like, okay, she's going to be in my home on birthday and, but she's going to be in my home like once a month, pretty much Mm -hmm. like leading up to the birth. Mm -hmm. So we really got to be like super close friends and, um, it was also kind of therapeutic for me to have, uh, I mean, the midwife relationship is so different, I think, than the OB relationship. Obviously, the the first thing is the amount of time that you get to spend with them. Um, and in that time, I just remember she would always be asking me questions about the whole family dynamic, like our whole relationship. Like, you know, how's Julian doing with the pregnancy and like, how how is that going? And so it was really like this holistic experience of the pregnancy that I got to talk about the relationship of the pregnancy to my son and the relationship of the pregnancy to my husband. And it was this whole thing that was just so incredibly powerful and positive to be able to talk about those things on a consistent basis um, throughout the entire pregnancy. Um, So that was really fantastic. And she was an amazing midwife. I couldn't say enough good things about her. (laughs) Mm. That's so awesome. And to have that um, experience, did you feel any sort of, 
a healing going on for you as, as you looked back on any of your care from your previous pregnancy or even not necessarily, didn't necessarily have to be healing, but just anything that you were kind of, you know, moving through as you um, analyzed both experiences. Does that make any sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can remember specific times, like while I was laying on my couch and, you know, she would like listen for the heartbeat or, you know, just like do different things that were so it was like cathartic for me. It's like, mm. oh my gosh, this makes so much more sense. Like, oh my gosh, I'm on my couch right now. Having <laughs> a, you know, listen to my baby's heartbeat for the first time. Like, mm-hmm. this is amazing. So I think throughout the whole process at every turn where things just felt so right, I was both encouraged in my decision to go with home birth, mm-hmm. but then also it was helping to like heal it was helping to heal like the things that had gone wrong the first time and helping to encourage me to, you know, that this, this is going to be okay. Like you're in the right space and no matter what happens, whether it's good or bad, like you're going to be okay. Um, and so I really I gained a lot of um, insight and inspiration from that throughout the whole pregnancy. Mm. That's amazing. And through the, your whole pregnancy, you maintain the relationship with your OB. I did. Yes. So I would pretty much go there, uh, you know, just cut to kind of have like a a backup plan, so to speak. So obviously when you have a home birth, um, it's one of the things that comes up early on is, you know, what are we going to do if for some reason this isn't working out or if, you know, the pregnancy is anyway. So just that, you know, yeah. you have something backed up. So I figured if I would just stay along with the OB the whole time, they would know like where I was in in my pregnancy. They would know like how the pregnancy had been if for any reason um, I were to risk out of a home birth. So we had that as a backup and that was like a good idea. I think, Um, you know, in retrospect, it was a good idea to have that as a, as a backup, but it was really difficult because my midwife kind of advised me to not tell my OB that I was planning a home birth. I was curious about that. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I was curious if, (laughs) if they, if they knew you were planning home birth. Yeah, so they did not um, because my midwife advised um, that at this particular hospital and from the previous kind of clients that she had had, she had experienced that they were very, very negative about Mm. home birth and that once they found out that there was to be a home birth or that uh, the patient was planning one, that it was kind of like their, their duty to advise against it and to strongly like kind of way the patient to like stop um, the home birth process. Um, I guess just like from a medical perspective, like it's kind of like a don't ask, don't tell. And that's what my midwife explained was that if they, if you tell them, if they know that they're, that you're planning a home birth, it's kind of their duty to, to advise you against it basically. So she said that there wasn't a whole lot of value in, in, in kind of bringing them into the loop. Um, but that just to know, just to be aware of it, um, and I was like, okay, so I guess I just won't tell her. <laughs> and yeah. I felt bad about it. I felt so bad every time I went because my OB was always like so cool and so understanding. Um, but I just kind of like, I just kept it to myself. <laughs> yeah, we've we've talked with um, moms, I think it was maybe last week, Sarah, where they had to sign some sort of paperwork stating like, you're not going to do a home birth. Do you remember that? Yeah. Remember that? I don't. I might have a mom brain on that. It makes sense to me when you're saying it. I'm like, yeah, that sounds like something. Yeah, they that had to sign something. And I mean, you know, when we told our our OB we were planning on home birth, he he was a great guy, and we 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 loved our time with him. But it's just 
part of their model, part of their system that they're like, yeah, yep. I can't, I can't really endorse that. So it, it totally makes exactly. sense. Uh, that's that. So you were, you, you continue with your OB all the way up until, till birthday. I did. I did. Um, which g- became rather crazy towards the end there because I didn't have, I didn't, you know, they give you your due date or your guest date. And obviously with the the medical model of care, the due date is the due date. And they start to get all freaked out once you go past that. Um, And so it kind of, we really got down to the wire there in terms of, uh, cause I, I didn't actually give birth to Scarlett until two weeks after my due date. Um, And I, it (laughs) And so I was like, oh, my gosh, like, am I going to have this home birth or not? Like, nah. and at the same time, I was getting so much pressure, so much pressure from my OB to be induced. Oh, um, man. He, actually wanted to, he wanted to induce me actually before I was even due. So I had had my like my one of my last appointments with my OB and we kind of talked about, you know, she's like, OK, like, what's your plan? Like, what's your plan for your birth? And I said, oh, um, you know, I'd like to do as little interventions as possible. I'd like to do an all natural birth if I can. And, um, you know, I just like to, you know, let it kind of run its course. And she said, okay, that's cool. Um, I'm not going to let you go past 40 weeks. Um, I, it's just, I'm not, I don't feel comfortable letting you go past 40. And I just kind of told her, well, I mean, it's just a guest date. Like why can't, is there any reason to suggest that it's not safe for me to go past 40 weeks? And she said, well, no, your pregnancy has been super healthy. Everything's been fine. Um, But I just, I typically don't like to let people go past 40 weeks. Come to find out, it's not really her. Um, It's just the the practice itself Um, doesn't really like to encourage women to go past 40 weeks. Um, And again, I think it all comes back to liability and the fact that if they can take control of the situation, it it works in their favor. You know, um, they get, they get the baby's out and they're fine and everything goes on and, and that's cool. Um, but for me, I really wanted to let my body do this on its own. I also really wanted my home birth and I knew that to be induced was not going to be a, a path to home birth at all. Um, so I, I had that conversation with my OB. No sooner did I get home that I got a call from the scheduling office saying, hi, your induction has been scheduled for June 1st at oh 12 p.m. And I was like, what? It was automated? What? Yes. Oh. You do that voice really well, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> it was an automated call. And I thought, oh, no. Oh, no, you didn't. Like, oh, my uh-uh. gosh. So <laughs> I called them back and I said, hi, I just got a call that my induction has been scheduled and I'm not even due yet. And also, I'm not coming. <laughs> so, <laughs> Induce this. So they were like, oh. <laughs> okay, well, we need to talk to your OB, but like, they'll give you a call back. Long story short, I got them to push it out another week. Mm. So they were like, we're not going to cancel your induction, but we're going to push it out to 41 weeks. And I thought, okay, at least that buys me some more time to get what I want. Mm. (laughs) Meanwhile, everything with my midwife is going swimmingly well. Like um, my blood pressure is great. The baby's moving great. I look great. I feel great. I'm, I had like the best pregnancy ever. I had tons of energy. I wasn't sick at all. I just was like totally rocking it. And towards the end there, I mean, obviously you get kind of big, you get kind of wobbly, you get kind of tired, 
but I still was like totally encouraged and fine um, because I knew that my health was, was great. And I was so thankful and I was so blessed to be having such a great time at such a late stage in my pregnancy. I didn't swell at all. Like with Julian, I was incredibly swollen. Like my, <laughs> my ankles were the size of my thighs. It was bad. Um, but with Scarlett and her pregnancy, I was just cool as a cucumber. I didn't swell at all. And um, just everything was going really well. So uh, my midwife was like, yeah, like you're, you're fine. You're 40 weeks pregnant and this baby's going to come and her, she's in position. Her head is where it needs to be. She's not posterior or anything. She's just totally great. Like you're, you're golden. And so I really just took a lot of, um, I took a lot of comfort from the midwife at the end there because, you know, I would go to my OB and they would be all fear-based. It was all like, oh, well, you know, you really, you want to make sure that you're, that we get this baby out. We got to get this baby out. And then I would see my midwife and she would be like, oh, you're fine. Like everything's okay. Trust your body, trust your instinct. Um, as long as you're feeling fine, then the baby is fine and you should be okay. Uh, but, you know, let me know, obviously, if anything changes. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. So at that point in the pregnancy, I started to get like a lot of conflicting um, advice, obviously. A lot of conflicting methodologies were happening because when it gets down to the wire there, it's kind of like it, it gets a little stressful. Um, so I, they pushed my induction out and then that 41 week came and I said, I, I'm still not coming in for your induction. And they said, okay, well could you just come in? Um, we're not going to induce you, but could you please just come in? And I said, okay, I'll, I'll come in. You can, cause they were like, we want to do some tests. We just want to do like a, a non-stress test. And we want to like hook you up to the monitors for a little while and just make sure that baby's okay. And I thought, absolutely. That sounds great to me. I would love to be reassured that she's fine. And then that'll also give you guys peace of mind and like, everything's great. So I go, I get all hooked up uh, and just right away, I like whenever I put the gown on and I was in their labor and delivery triage, I just was like, man, this is just silly. Like I, I know my body. I know that things are okay. I know that this is all just like kind of an exercise in utility, so to speak. But, you know, and I, and I was even more uh, encouraged in my decision to, to go with home birth, just being hooked up to all that stuff and remembering kind of remembering the trauma, remembering what it was like to give birth in a hospital the first time and just knowing like, oh, this is really not what I want. Um, everything with the non-stress test went fine. She was moving fine. Everything was great. Um, but the doctor came in and they were like, listen, she's good. Everything's great. There's no reason to panic, but I think you should be induced right now. <laughs> and I was like, but, but why? Like, I'm okay though. She's fine. And he's like, listen, you're 41 weeks. And I don't know, I guess I might've been like 41 and maybe three days at that time. And he was like, you know, the, 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 the rates of stillborns increase like dramatically after this point. 
There's really no harm in us just giving you a little bit bit of Pitocin right now. Like, we'll get you right up. We'll get you in a room. Like, and so he was really, really trying to sell it. And I get it because you're, you know, when you're 41 and whatever day is pregnant, like you want to get this baby out, Mm -hmm. right? Most people do, (laughs) but like, I knew too much. I knew that adding Pitocin to the mix was going to make me have a crazy intense labor. I knew that letting them like kind of do what they need to do, what they wanted to do with me was going to make it so that I wouldn't have the experience that I had wanted so badly for myself and that I had planned so much for. And obviously at that time I knew, you know, like the best laid plans sometimes don't work out and that's cool. So just be open to that. And I was. But I also knew that she was fine and I knew that I was fine. Mm-hmm. So I really stuck to my guns and I told the doctor, I said, listen, I completely understand your position. I thank you so much for telling me that and for, you know, cluing me in on the statistics and, you know, but I, I'm really, I, I need you to give me a little bit more time. Um, and so they offered to like, um, what is it? Swipe my membranes or mm-hmm. swipe, yeah, like yeah. swipe or swipe strip them. Yeah. Yeah, strip the membranes. And I, even on that, I had to be kind of convinced because I, at that point, hadn't really had any vaginal exams at all. I hadn't had any checks. And I, that was kind of my position was to not really allow anything up there unless it absolutely had to be. Um, and so I was like, okay, I guess you can swipe the membranes. You know, it's at this point, you know, I, I and I thought to myself, maybe it really will help get things going and I won't be here. <laughs> Right. Let's get them to swipe the membranes and let me go home and then I can birth on my own and everything will be fine. So um, that's what happened. Um, They they swiped the membranes. It was a Friday and I um, I got out of there. Thank goodness. They let me go. And they said, listen, you're being induced on Tuesday, (gasps) whether you like it or not, because Tuesday, you're 42 weeks. So we'll see you Tuesday unless we see you back here before then. And I thought, okay, thanks. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Yeah, smell you later. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we left in the whole car ride home. This was a Friday night. The whole car ride home, I was having contractions. Mm. And I was like, oh, this is intense. Like, oh, my gosh. Um, It actually just turned out to be like a bunch of cramping from from swiping the membrane. Mm. Um, So I didn't go into labor Friday night. And then Saturday, I felt fine. And then Sunday, I was like, oh, man, like, I've really got to make it. I I, ha- I have to go into labor before Tuesday. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm not going to have my home birth. Um, and, of course, my midwife, again, was being super encouraging. And she was like, listen, just trust yourself. Trust it. And everything's going to work out. Um, but if not, you know, that that's fine. Because she basically told me, you know, on Tuesday, if you haven't gone into labor, it, you will have risked out of a home birth at that point. I don't do anything after 42 weeks. Um, so, you know, it's good that you have your appointment, but let's just see how things go over the weekend. So on Sunday, I tried to start doing a couple of like home remedy induction type activities. So I went for a long walk. I ate some spicy foods. And when I say spicy foods, I'm not talking about like, wholesome like wonderful like Mexican food like I <laughs> cracked open a bag of flaming hot Cheetos and went to town <laughs> nice. so, <laughs> I was like listen kid I'm sorry but I'm just gonna eat these um and then I I had a glass of red wine I um I just kind of you know oh I bounced on the yoga ball a lot 
to try to like open up my pelvis more. I, you know, I did everything I could think of. Um, and so that was, yeah, Sunday night. And then Monday morning, I guess like at midnight or so, I, I had had a hard time sleeping that night. I had had a hard time falling asleep and I had been having like some kind of prodromal contractions Sunday evening, like while I was bouncing on the yoga ball and we were timing them, but they were like, you know, five to seven minutes apart and really intermittent and weird. So I just went to bed and then I like woke up and I guess this is probably starting to get into birthday. So I don't know if, are we ready for that now? (laughs) I'd say we're ready for that. Heck yeah. First thing, I just have a comment. I just think you've been like, I don't use this word a lot, but gangsta with like all of how you've handled yourself, the way like the the awkwardness and what could be some frustration and like stress between the care models and everything and how you rolled with it and how you I just that word just keeps popping up on my mind. I'm like, Ruby's being gangsta with this. Like when you're like, um, no, you're not going to do this. So I just had to acknowledge you and now you can proceed, ma'am. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Thank you. I uh, yeah. I definitely tried to stick to my guns as much as I could. Um, and it's so, I'm so happy that I did because bada bang, here we go. I woke up at like 1230 and I was having a hard time sleeping. And so I, I went to the bathroom and when I went to the bathroom, there was a little bit more fluid than was usual. Um, and I was like, oh, maybe that was my water breaking. Maybe not. Who knows? But that was maybe something. So I went back to bed and sure enough, I was not actually able to fall back asleep or really sleep well. So I knew something was going on. I could tell my body was trying to tell me something. Um, so I listened. I just kind of um, kept like rolling over, changing my position um, and just kind of rolling with it. And I realized that they were contractions and that it was they were coming and that this was probably labor. So about 5 a.m., I called my midwife and I said, Hey, um, you know, I have this kind of loss of fluid around 1230. I think it might be labor, but I'm not really sure. And she just said, okay, well, you know, go back to bed, do whatever you do and keep me posted. Um, I can come now if you want me to, or I can, we can say like, we'll chat in an hour. How does that sound? And I said, yeah, that sounds cool. Because at this point I will say that I had had, probably like one or two like false starts, I guess you'd say like false alarms where I thought like, Oh yes, like this is happening and it wasn't. So that's why my midwife was like, listen, like I can come or, and she had never actually come out for any of those false false alarms. It was just kind of via text or a phone call that I was like, Oh, I think this is it. Um, Anyway. So I hung up with her around like five fifteen, and by six o'clock, I was not able to have a phone conversation anymore. <laughs> so um, by by six o'clock, I knew I was in like full-blown, like we're doing this labor. The contractions were really intense. I was having to like, I really was, you know, it was, it was happening. So I told my husband, I said, you have to call, you have to call the midwife. I have to get in the shower or like do something. Um, and also you need to call the midwife and you need to get Julian like off to Pepe's so that he can like hang out for a little while. Um, so my husband called the midwife and he was like, yep, she can't talk. So you should come. <laughs> and they were like, yep, okay, we'll be right there. We're on our way. Um, 
And so then I uh, got in the shower and was just trying to like do anything that I could to kind of like work through things. I had planned a water birth. So I, we had already had the tub like blown up in our living room for weeks at this point. I was, I was 42, I was just about 42 weeks pregnant. So the birth tub had been, you know, uh, armed and ready to go in a living room for at least three weeks at this point. Um, everybody was used to it. The cats were used to it. The toddler was used to it. We all just kind of determined it was a part of our living room. Um, and so he started filling up the birth tub and I took a shower, which was the most uncomfortable shower I've ever had in my life. I did not want to stand up. I didn't want to be in there. I just wanted to get it over with. And the contractions were really unbearable at that point. And when I say unbearable, I just mean like it was just uncomfortable. It wasn't, I wasn't in like an extreme amount of pain. It was just like, Ugh, I don't want to be standing up right now. This is ir- like irritating and uncomfortable. So I got out of the shower and then I went downstairs and the pool was pretty much almost ready to get into, which was amazing. So, and also my son had been picked up by his puppy and had brought the, he had, you know, he was out of the house at that point. Um, and my plan for Julian actually was, always to have him to be like, I, I always really wanted him to be part of the birth. Um, I didn't really, I, I wanted him to be able to see her be born. I wanted him to be part of it. I didn't mind if he was there when I was in labor, but because it was so early in the morning and because I, I don't know, I think I just thought like, let's have him go hang out there for a little while. We'll see how things go and then he can come back. So that was kind of the plan. Um, so I guess at this point, it was like 6.15, 6.30, and I got into the birth tub. And let me tell you, I went from like a 10 on the pain uncomfortable scale to like a 6, maybe a 5, mm. almost immediately. That's amazing. It was. It was fantastic. <laughs> the water was nice and warm. And I just, I'll never forget that feeling of just instant relief and comfort and uh, like assurance. And just, it was like... I don't know. It was just like this shroud of like heaven almost just like came over me. And I just knew I was like, yep, I'm doing this. I got this. This is going to be fine. Like this is, I didn't have a doubt in my mind that it would, that it was going to go. Okay. And I also was so excited that I was in labor. I was so excited to be in that tub because I had come so close to not be like, to not being able to do that. I mean, here it was Tuesday, um, Monday morning, and I was supposed to be going in Tuesday morning for an induction that I was not really going to be able to push off anymore. Yeah. But I was in that tub and I was doing this. And so anyway, pain gone. And I just was like, all right, let's do this thing. So my husband um, got me a banana and a bagel. And I just started downing um, coconut water and Gatorade and water water. <laughs> and uh I will say that eating at that point was kind of difficult. I really didn't want to eat the banana or the bagel. I think I probably took like maybe two bites of banana and two bites of bagel. But the drinking of the fluids, I really was on board with. And I got as much into my system as possible of of that. Um, and then I got Alexa going with some Henry Mancini jazz. And I just like closed my eyes and I just, labored and it was fantastic it was peaceful it was warm I had great tunes and I was just like in the zone and I 
remember the midwives getting there probably around 7.15 or 7.30. I didn't open my eyes, though, that my eyes just pretty much stayed closed for the majority of the labor, like right up until I, you know, right up until she was born, I had my eyes closed. But I did, I remember hearing the midwives come in and I remember them, you know, saying hi to me and asking me how I was doing. And, but they didn't really bother me. Um, It was my midwife and her, her, um, her assistant or her apprentice. And they just came in and I just remember hearing like the pots and the pans in the background and, you know, like just a couple of things here and there. And they just like, they just went right to work and their work was calm and collected and thoughtful and peaceful. And it was just this amazing, amazing vibe in my home at the time. You've got this like cool jazz playing in the background and like the the soundtrack to Breakfast at Tiffany's is like going and um, it was just awesome. So I kept laboring and my midwife didn't really, um, the thing I loved so much about her was that if I needed her to like encourage me or to help me, she was totally there for it, but she really helped me just kind of have an unassisted experience, which I didn't realize at the time, but in hindsight, that's really what it was. I was largely unassisted for the majority of my labor and delivery. Um, She was there obviously to, you know, check my vitals here and there, make sure, you know, things were moving along, but um, the, the entire process was all on me and it was, amazingly empowering and it was exactly what I was going for um I I just she said you know if at any time you want to move you move if you want to do this you do this and I attribute so much of my being able to be comfortable in that space of just being completely independent and just being totally like grounded in what I wanted to do by being so well prepared by having listened to so many birth stories and by um, being just so, uh, I just was encouraged by all of the things that I had filled my mind up with that I was able to just do all of it by myself. And I knew, I knew to just trust my body. I knew to just go with it and that this isn't something that you have to do, quote unquote. This is something that you're a part of and that your body knows what to do so like you can like your mind can kind of like get out of the way you can relax your mind and you can just be in that moment and trust that your body knows what to do so that was my default throughout the whole time that I was in the water was just trust your body trust what's going on trust the process and it brought me so much comfort and clarity throughout the whole thing and at one point I needed to move. So I like got up um, and I was like on my, on my elbows, I guess, like on the side of the birth tub. Um, and then I was like on my knees and I was starting to be very, very vocal. And I just remember my midwife saying like, um, you might get to a point soon where you're going to feel like you can't do it anymore. And I just want you to know that that might be coming soon but that, that means that you can totally do this. (laughs) And so I knew what she was talking about. I knew she was talking about transition, um, and you know, the ring of fire. And so I thought, you know what? Yep. She's right. It's going to get to that point soon. And that's cool. And I'm ready for it. I'm here for it. Let's do it. Um, so at the time, at the time that I like got up onto my knees and onto my elbows on the side of the tub, um, I had, 
my mom was there. She was present. Um, and then my husband was there holding my hand and like rubbing my back. Um, and then the midwives and my cat. <laughs> um, my cat was like really intrigued by the fact that there was a pool in his living room. And so he was like, and also I was making a lot of very primal noises. So one of the cats was like, you know, really like in tune to what was going on. Um, so that's kind of like what the stage, like that's to set the stage of what all this like kind of looked like at the time. Um, and yeah, so it was intense at this point. Again, I, I don't think it was painful. I mean, looking back on it, it was not pain at all. It was energy and it was like, it was just energy, really power and like a little bit of discomfort, but nothing unmanageable at all. The water, I got to say, helped immensely. And I was just going with the waves. I was envisioning them as waves because I was in the water. So it all just kind of like made sense. And I knew that this is what's like supposed to happen. And so I was totally comforted by that. And I just kind of rode the waves and I rode the process and I totally surrendered to my body and surrendered to this amazing energy and this amazing life that was making her way out of me. And I just like, I mean, yeah, there was the point where I was like, whoa, okay, this is a lot. And that was the point that my midwife had, you know, told me was coming. But I got through that part. And then I knew like, okay, cool. Like this is happening now. Like this is, we're, we're doing this. And I just pretty much just let my body open and let it open. And she, Scarlett just like started coming out of me. Basically, I didn't really push much. I, I want to say I pushed maybe twice at the most. I really, she just kind of made her way out. And because I was like kind of up on my knees, there was a lot of gravity going on. Um, and so it was just this most, the just peaceful, like uh, amazing. She just came out and she was in the water and my husband, my husband caught her, I guess. And, and, you know, picked her up and, you know, there was that like weird time where, you know, they're in the water and they're, you know, they're, they're born, but they're in the water. And like, I knew that she was born, but she was in the water and I was, you know, facing away obviously. And, um, so my husband caught her and he, he picked her up and then he's, my midwife's like, okay, she's here. You can turn around. And so I, you know, kind of lifted my leg up over the cord and I turned around and I saw her. And at the same time, my son had gotten there. So like at the same exact time that she was born, my son like walked in the front door and was like, I don't remember what he even said. Oh, I think he just said, oh, it's my baby sister. And so he thought he got to still experience everything the same, the way that I had wanted him to was that he saw mom, he saw me in the water, he saw me like going through something. And then he saw his sister born out of me and like saw his sister being held in his dad's arms. And like, so he got to experience that too, which I think is amazing. And I'm so glad that he was there. Because when I turned around, the first thing that I saw was him. So like my first born son is standing there. And he's looking at my daughter (laughs) and my husband. So then I turn around and then I see both of them and I, you know, get to hold Scarlett in my arms and she's beautiful and amazing. And she like, wasn't screaming, but she was awake in her eyes and she was so alert. And 
I was sitting in this tub and I was holding this beautiful baby and I had done it. I had done it and everybody was where they needed to be. I was where I needed to be. It was just this amazing, amazing feeling. And I got, it was like my wish come true. She was my wish come true. The entire experience, my whole family was a wish come true. And it was just beautiful. And it got better from there because I felt fantastic. I felt empowered, but I also had just like had a baby and I felt great. And a lot of it I know is like the hormones and the endorphins and the whole release of oxytocin. And so I knew that, but at the same time, it was such a stark difference from when I had had Julian, I had, I had birthed him vaginally and he had been placed on my chest the same way that I had, you know, birthed um, Scarlett and she had been placed on my chest. But whenever they placed him on my chest, I was not okay. Like I was not with it. I had lost so much blood that I like passed out pretty much right away after giving birth to him. And I was not okay for a long time afterwards. But with Scarlett, I was so present. And so was she, like she had her eyes open and it was, it was just an amazing um, juxtaposition of the two experiences. And I certainly did experience a lot of healing in that moment. Um, along with a, a multitude of other amazingly positive feelings. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow, that was amazing. Um, so not to break the magical haze of this experience, but then did someone make a call to the OB later that day or the next day was like, sorry, we're not coming in because <laughs> we have wondering. a baby. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I did. I got to call them um, a couple of hours later. Like I, it was amazing. So like I gave birth to her and then it was like nine, not a little bit after 9am that I gave birth. And by 11am, I was tucked in my bed. I was clean. I'd gone to the bathroom. I was nursing her and had been for a while at that point. And then I got to call my OB and be like, Oh, Hey, um, it's me. So here's the thing. I just had a baby. Um, I had the baby. She's here. She's happy. She's healthy. And so am I. And I did it all by myself in our living room in a tub. Oh, so thanks, gosh. but I'm not coming. <laughs> <laughs> what did she say? Um, I didn't get to talk to my, I, she was just kind of like, oh my gosh, congratulations. That's fantastic. We're so glad. Like, I'm so glad that, you know, the baby's here and that you're doing well. Um, that's, that's great. And I was like, yes, yeah, thank you. Um nice. And then I think it was kind of like, you know, we'll see you, you know, we'll see you in six weeks kind of a thing. Wow. To, to do like the six week postpartum, mm-hmm. you know, uh, visit or whatever. So, but it was, it was great. And it was super satisfying to be able to just call them and be like, Hey, leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Service discontinued. <laughs> um, right, right, right. So not to put any kind of reproductive pressure on you at all, if you were to have another child, or even if you're clear that you're, you won't, but if you were to do it again, would you go dual again for, for a third and in hypothetical and or otherwise? I think that if I were to do it again, I would just kind of do the midwife. Um, and I, I would, yeah, I don't think I would do dual again. Gotcha. Only just curious. because like it, yeah, I mean, it does make a lot of sense in terms of having a backup plan. Um, but I think that if I need them, they're totally equipped and fine to take me at the last minute and be totally fine with, Mm. you know, helping me, Mm -hmm. um, at that point. So I don't think I would do dual again. It was a lot to do, I think. Um, and it was a lot to take in 
in terms of, but it was, I think it was also good because it really strengthened me mm-hmm. and it strengthened my resolve and it strengthened my goals and why I was doing what I was doing because I constantly had to, um, I constantly had to fight back against it in my mind um, because I was constantly inserting myself into that medical model while at the same time knowing that I wanted the midwifery model and that that was what my reality was going to be. But I was always like inserting myself into that medical kind of environment. And so I really had to be that much more strong in trusting my body and trusting my decision and trusting you know, that all of my research and what I knew to be true. It sounds like it was exactly what you needed. It was perfect to have the dual. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's so cool. That's awesome. Mm, Ruby, you're so amazing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Is there any other kind of final thoughts that either you, um, you know, came to conclusion about your whole experience or anything that you just want to reiterate to share with other mamas and listeners? Yeah, I would say, you know, to other mamas and other listeners who are, you know, on the fence or, you know, maybe you're like me and you're listening now and, you know, you're, you're not pregnant, you're maybe not a mom. And maybe you're thinking like, wow, home birth really seems to make sense. It does. <laughs> and that's okay. Um, I would just encourage other moms to trust themselves. And I think that's the biggest takeaway that I've had is just having that trust in your body and having that trust in, um, you know, the goals that you want for yourself and to just kind of go with it. And that if, if you are healthy and your body is healthy, that you can trust it. You can trust that, you know, everything will, will, will work out. And and, and sometimes it doesn't, and that's okay too. Um, you know, everybody has their own experience and their own story to tell. Um, but I would just encourage other moms to, to just trust themselves as much as possible. And also that my postpartum with Scarlett has been uh, absolutely amazing. Like everything just, everything just clicked into place and just worked so easily with her. Um, breastfeeding was a breeze. Um, feeding her has been just super easy. We haven't had any issues. Um, my body bounced back like super fast because I took the time to rest. Whereas with Julian, I was in the hospital. So obviously you have that, you know, those two days that you have to rest um, and that you're kind of like under the care of nurses and everything, but then you're just kind of on your own at the end of the second day and you're suddenly at home and you're just kind of like, whoa, what do I do here? But having the baby at home, it's such a seamless transition. And I really just took a solid two weeks to be in my bed with my baby nursing and not doing anything else. I didn't make meals. I didn't do dishes. I didn't do laundry. I didn't do anything for a solid two weeks. And my midwife encouraged me to do that. She said, listen, if you take it easy for two weeks, at the two-week mark, you are going to be like um, so much better for it. And I, I really listened to her. And I didn't go up and stare, up and down stairs very much. I didn't go on car rides. I let my uterus do what it needed to do. And I gave it the space that it needed to heal and take a minute and get itself back together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it did. And it rewarded me afterwards because I, I was just like, I was great at the two week, three week mark. I couldn't believe that I had just had a baby so recently. Mm. Um, 
it was, it was so powerful. And so like everything else after, so like the birth itself made so much sense, but the postpartum made so much more sense also because the recovery was a lot easier to handle the, those like really like hard first nights with a baby were so much easier to handle because my body was like, my body was like hanging out like with me instead of going against me like it had before. Um, so it was, it was really great. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing everything that you have today. Um, I think it's so cool, you know, to bring the experience around to where you were sitting in your car listening to stories like this. And now here you are, and there's someone right now in their car, wherever they are listening to this and the impact that it's, it's having. It's really, really cool. Like cool isn't even a word for it. It's beyond that. Um, it is amazing. Yeah. Ruby, thank you so much again. We appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you, Ruby. Thank you so much for having me. I love you guys. Quick note about the Doing It at Home podcast. Matthew and I are not doctors or medical professionals, and nothing we say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. If you have medical or health-related questions, please take them to a trained professional. We're here simply to entertain you with stories and conversations about pregnancy, birth, and parenthood. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% dad-approved? Datages. Hi there, I'm Chad Higg. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Datages. That's D A D A G E S, wherever you listen to your podcasts. <laughs>